0: Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel.
1: A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alhamdulillah thumma alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah kathira. Wa subhanallahi bukratan wa asila. الحمد لله مالك الملك مجري الفلك مسخر الرياح فالق الإصباح ديان الدين رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء وخاتم النبيين وسيد المرسلين أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد اللهم صلِّ وسلِّم وزِد وبارِك وترحَّم وتحنَّن على محمدٍ وآل محمد كما صلَّيت وباركت وترحَّمت وتحنَّنت على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميدٌ مجيد قال الله تعالى في بُحْكَمِ كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أم كنتم شهداء إذ حضر يعقوب الموت إذ قال لبنيه ما تعبدون من بعدي قالوا نعبد إلهك وإله آبائك إبراهيم وإسماعيل إلها واحدا ونحن له مسلمون Respected
0: elders, brothers,
1: sisters, Assalamu Alaikum. Oprah Winfrey,
0: a name that you all are familiar with,
1: an extremely influential woman one of the wealthiest women in America. Says she
0: used to own an apartment on the 57th floor in one of the most secure buildings in the world and a skyrise in Chicago. The most secure building. She also had her personal escorts and security. She says, I would go home through my helipad to my apartment, to my bedroom at night. I'd get into bed exhausted, tired, wanting to sleep. But I would toss and turn in bed for many hours. She said, most of the nights, I would then call my personal security and tell him, without letting anybody know, I want us to leave this building. I don't feel safe. Then she would drive herself to a nearby hotel, check herself into an ordinary room, And she said, as soon as my head head hits the pillow, I would fall asleep. And for many years, this was causing me a lot of agony because I knew I live in the most secure building. I knew I had a security like the security of the President of the United States, but yet, why was I afraid? Why couldn't I fall asleep? She said until I got introduced to a psychiatrist. and I told him of my problem. I said, what could it be? She said, that moment was a moment of awakening for me. The first sentence that came out of his mouth was a moment of awakening for me. She said, the doctor told me this has to do with your childhood. My childhood, I said. What does that have to do with my childhood? She says, tell me about your sleeping habits when you were a child. She said, I started telling him about my sleeping habits when I was a child. Oprah comes from a broken home. Her mother used to work as a maid for $50 a week. When Oprah was born, she went to Oprah's grandmother and said, I cannot afford an extra mouth to feed. Would you take care of my daughter or I'd have to just give her to a shelter home? So she said, I grew up with my old grandmother And when I would try to go to sleep at night, every night I would hear the footsteps of my grandfather who had dementia. Walking towards our bedroom, she would sleep with her grandmother. Every single night, he would get to our bedroom and try to choke my grandmother to death. My grandmother would be alert, so she would wake up, and she would push him away, and close the door, and he would go back to sleep. And she said, until one day I woke up, and my grandmother was almost dying. I was so afraid. She said when she pushed him away, she went, opened the door of the house, and she started calling cousin Henry, a neighbor. Cousin Henry, come and help us. It took him a very long time to get there. Why? Because Cousin Henry was a blind man. What is a blind man going to do? She said, but what Cousin Henry did was he hired someone to put a lock on our door. She said, even though there was a lock on my door, as a five-year-old kid, Once I start hearing his footsteps, I always ask myself, is there a chance that he's gonna break in? He's gonna open that door and he's gonna choke my grandma to death. And as soon as I said that, the psychiatrist told me, there is your answer. That is why in your mid-50s, you cannot fall asleep feeling secure, at the most secure building in the world. Today, while we gather here to celebrate the legacy of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi sallam at this interfaith event, while we see leaders representing the Abrahamic faiths. if we were to ask them today, if they were amongst us today, if we were to ask the Prophet Ibrahim and the Prophet Yaqub and the Prophet Isa and the Prophet Musa and our beloved and the seal of messengers, the Prophet Muhammad, what should our priority be in life? How can we bring peace to this world? How can we bring peace to ourselves? There are many people who want to bring peace to the world, but they are not at peace with themselves. You cannot bring peace to nobody, not even your family, not even your friends. If you are not at peace within, if we were to ask them, I believe that their response would be to create better families, more enduring families, to help and aid those who are suffering in a place where it's meant to be a place of tranquility and peace and harmony and love within their homes. Where is a child going to escape? If he does not or she does not find peace and tranquility and love and compassion within their homes, who's going to be their protector? And today, we live in a world where we're blinded. There are many curtains in front of our vision where we do not see the reality of things. I, you, the majority of people here and the majority of people in America live in neighborhoods, where we do not get to see the poor and we do not get to see the reality of the society that we live in. In fact, we're told this is reality, but it is far from reality. Let me just tell you this. Every single show on American television today that carries the title reality is is the greatest lie and manipulation and far away from reality, but it's called reality. So we start believing that this is the reality of everybody else except me. For 22 years, what is the most popular American television? program do you know most popular 22 years some people that now that has become part of their life they don't know anything besides this particular show that generates 1 million tweets every time it's on air 1 million the bachelor's show the bachelor's show Believe it or not, that is the most powerful, most influential TV show on American television. What is The Bachelor's show? The Bachelor's show is 25 very gorgeous, beautiful women. 10 out of 10s. fighting over one dude. And you tell me that is reality? (laughs) That is far from reality. And they're hand-picked, selected applicants. Thousands of people apply, they choose 25. And now those 25 are fighting over this guy. And that is somehow supposed to be a reality. 22 years. People sit there. Some episodes, 8 million people or 8 million households are actually watching this show. And they're tweeting. They're wasting their precious time. And it has influenced people. I see some people, they think they're on The Bachelors show. And then, they created The Bachelorette show where 25 Men are fighting over one woman. That's closer to reality, but... <laughs> so we, we, we have diluted visions now. We don't see the reality of things. The reality is, today... Almost every single household in this country has some sort of pain they carry, weight they carry on their chest when it comes to issues within their homes, within their families. And I don't care what religion and background you have. And being a Muslim is no exception. For many years, we thought that, oh, just because we're Muslims, problems will not find their ways within our families, our homes, our youth, our children. We have some sort of immunity, some sort of protection. And now, today, we've realized that is far from the truth. Every year, 350 million children are born into this world. Some are born into wealth, some are born into poverty. Some are born into prestige, and some are born into nothing on the side of the street, and they probably will die on the side of the street. Some people are born with the ability to prosper in a family that will ensure they have proper education, proper health, and some are not that fortunate. But Rasulullah and his colleagues, the prophets and the messengers of God, their message was one. And don't tell me their message was that you have to force everybody to believe in God. That was not their message. Their message was that you're all the citizens of the earth. Your father and your mother is Eve. So act like brothers and sisters. That was the message of Jesus, Moses, Abraham, Noah, Let me tell you the story of a young man by the name of Jesse. Jesse was born into a household of generational childhood trafficking. By the age five, he was in police custody because he had been trafficked so much five years old. Where was Jesse from? New Jersey, not far from where we, we where we are gathering today, five years old he's at police custody because he's been trafficked as a child, goes from one foster home to another to Until the age 10. The age 10, he's so unlucky that he ends up at this foster home where from the outside it looks beautiful. His foster parents from the outside seem like very reasonable, tolerant, compassionate people. But every day there was agony and pain and physical abuse. They strip him away from his clothes. And they send him, and you know how it is, the cold weather here. They send him out to sleep with the chickens. So one day he runs out, and he's running with just his underwear, 10 years old. He's running, and the sheriff stops and says, young man, what are you doing? He says, I ran away from home. Oh, you ran away from home? Sit in the car. Let's do something about that. Where is your home? He says, well, I ran away from my foster parents. Guess what the sheriff does? Takes him back to the foster parents and tells him, shame on you, you little prick. Instead of appreciating those people, you're running away from them. And when Jesse gets back home that night, he gets a beating. that gives him a minor concussion, and he ends up in the hospital. This is a true story. He gets out of the hospital and then the stars get aligned for him. He ends up at another foster home. Becomes an A student. Gets into high school. Getting straight A's. Everything's working out for him. Except when he goes into his math class. When he's in his math class, suddenly he gets up once, twice a week, and starts beating up his math teacher. So the math teacher is like, Jesse, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you beating me? When Jesse calms down, he says, I don't know. I, I don't know what happened to me. Goes to the principal's office. Jesse, why? I really don't know. Did he say something mean to you? No. Is he nice to you? Yes. What is the problem? I don't know. After long investigations, listen to this. If there's one thing that I want you to take away tonight is this. They realize that the math teacher and the foster home parent who beat Jesse every day use the same deodorant. Look at the complexity of our brain. And how God has created this brain and he's given this brain for us to be able to protect ourselves. So this brain starts giving a signal to Jesse that you're in danger again through a scent. And he doesn't even know what he's doing. He gets up and he starts attacking his math teacher. Brothers and sisters, those Early on days, months, and years of your children are extremely important. If we want to create peace on the face of the earth, let us make sure we give undivided attention to our children, undivided attention to our children. Let us give them quality time, quality attention, and I don't mean time in close proximity. Because a lot of people sit with their children in close proximity. But there is no discussion. There is no exchange of emotions. They're just sitting next to each other and each on his own, texting and on their social media. But it's a family dinner. Islam teaches us we must spend quality time with our family. This is a rule, a God-given rule to us. Love equals time. Don't tell him I love you, but I ain't going to spend time with you. I don't have time for you. Love equals time. Make time for your loved ones. In fact, the same rule applies to God. Say, oh God, I love you. Do you speak to God? No. Do you pray to God? No. Do you have a relationship with God? No, not really, but I love Him. What kind of love is that? God, in fact, teaches us through His prophets for us to show our love, our submission, our dedication to Him. He doesn't need it. We need it. And guess what? When you spend time, quality time of love with your family, it's not that they're the only ones that need it. You also need it. And sometimes we forget the importance of spending time with our children. And one thing that's going to change things around for our, this generation that we're responsible for is, listen. Listen. Listen to them. Try to understand them. Prioritize them. Let them feel important. Let them truly feel that they are the future of our community. Let us create leaders that will rise to the occasion, not run away from responsibility. And that is the job of the home. And Islam teaches us that a family is more sacred to God than any other institution that human beings can engage in, even religious practice. And with two stories from the Prophet Muhammad, I will conclude, because we are here to celebrate his blessed name. On the most desperate days of the Muslim community, where every man counts. While Rasulullah was rallying people before the enemies, 3000 enemies came into Medina to annihilate the Muslim community. And Rasulullah wanted few men to stand up and fight because they were outnumbered, they didn't have horses, they didn't have swords, they they were about to be annihilated. So Rasulullah said, guess what? We have to stand up, we have to rise to the occasion, defend ourselves. So, young men from Medina gathered. One of them came. And he was sad. Rasulullah tells him, What's wrong, buddy? Why are you sad? He says, I left my mom. She was crying. I'm the only one she has. I don't have a father. I don't have brothers. I'm the only one that takes care of my mother. I told her that I'm going to be fighting alongside of the Prophet Muhammad. She was still sad. So she was crying. So I'm sad that my mom is crying. Now you would think Rasulullah would say, no, don't worry. You're not going to die in this battle. Your mom will be rewarded. I'll pray for your mom. She'll be okay. Rasulullah told him, just like you brought tears to her eyes, make her smile now. Make her happy. Make her delighted. He says, how, ya Rasulullah? He says, by you returning to her. He so what do you mean returning to her? I don't need you here. Go to your mother. What was Rasulullah fighting for? For people to be happy. For people to understand the value of family. For people to understand the value of a mother. He says to him, Go and make sure that you bring a smile to her face. We don't need you here. Your mother needs you. And then he says this, and no, young man, that paradise lies underneath the feet of mothers. This is one legacy from the Prophet Muhammad. This is what he's left the world with. Another as his unbelievable compassion and love and forgiveness. Go and read history. You will never come across a man with so much compassion and forgiveness and tolerance. And I want to specifically share this story because I think with what's happening around the world, there's so much we can take from this particular Several moments from the life of the Prophet Muhammad. A man comes from the battle of Badr. Badr was the very first battle that the Muslims had to face. And he's caught as a prisoner. They bring him to the Prophet. The Prophet asks him, he says to him, why are you here? He says, I was paid to kill you. I failed. I couldn't kill you. Rasulullah says to him, What shall I do with you? Have you ever heard of a leader asking his enemy, What should I do with you? And then actually doing what they ask? He says, Ya Muhammad, إعفني للاولاد. Forgive me because I have children. Rasulullah says, You're forgiven. Go. You would think that this guy, he quits what he was doing. And Uhud, he's caught again. They bring him to Rasulullah. Rasulullah says, what happened? You're back again. He says, yes, I was paid it again. And I was given a mission to kill you. I couldn't kill you. So here I am again. What should I do with you, oh man? Ya <laughs> Muhammad, I have children. Forgive me. Rasulullah was no sucker, he was no fool. But he did forgive him. Because he represents God. This God that sometimes we've made, this God, a God waiting to punish us and to strike us with different punishments just because we did something wrong. Here's a guy trying to kill the Prophet. because Prophet Muhammad represents Allah, guess what, he is caught again when they're liberating Mecca, trying to kill the Prophet. And they bring him in front of a Prophet and the traditions say the Prophet was actually laughing. What is wrong with you? He says, Ya Muhammad, you've forgiven me twice forgive me again, for the sake of the children. And he did forgive him again. That is the compassion that this world needs. That is the amount of tolerance or forgiveness that this world needs. Not only that, but the biggest supporter of Rasulullah was his uncle, Hamza, Sayyid al-Shuhada. And you all know what Wahshi did to him. Wahshi, who killed the uncle of Rasulullah, chopped his body into pieces, he cut every single finger, his nose, his ears, his liver, amputated every limb. Even Wahshi was forgiven by Rasulullah. He comes to him, he says, Ya Rasulullah, I am sorry, forgive me. I forgive you. That God, the God of Muhammad, if we introduce him to the world, they cannot not love him. They cannot not want to have a relationship with that God. So if we do have problems today with people doubting God and his existence, guess what? It's because we've done the wrong marketing for God. It's because we've introduced him as a false God. But Rasulullah knew how to introduce him. That is why I'm extremely thankful to Muslims for peace, because I believe this kind of setting is what we need, is the right way to celebrate the legacy of the Prophet Muhammad Through education, through tolerance, through bringing people from all over with different backgrounds and nationalities and Faiths, to celebrate this greatest gift given to humanity, the birth of the Prophet Muhammad. And I'm also delighted to be here today while Dr. Walji received this award. 50 years, this man has worked towards peace. He's done what it takes to leave a legacy for us to emulate from. And what he's also done is he has paved the way for the next generation to take leadership, a succession plan that could be very successful. What we can also take away is to make sure we continue to celebrate those individuals who bring harmony within our community so that those who create division in our community then have less effect and therefore we would have more peace and love and harmony. May Allah bless you all. Thank you for having me. Wassalamu alaikum wa